Once I figured out what I had early on, I took what I had and ran with it. If you have something that you love to do and that you've loved to do since you were a kid, maybe that's where you need to start. I strive to honor all that music that I love by setting the bar myself and pushing myself to the absolute limit. It, it, the, the things that I teach as far as vocal health and performance, they would not be possible without all of the instruction and the incredible instructors that I had. Just surround yourself with, with like-minded individuals. And if that's hard for you, do everything you can to find a way to get out of the situation that you're in. I am a product of my obsession over the years. And I am one of the very, very lucky individuals who was able to find that obsession early. Welcome to the Thought Leader Revolution with Nikki Ballou. Join the revolution. There's never been a better time in history to speak your truth, find your freedom, and make your fortune. Each week, we interview the world's top thought leaders and learn the secrets of how they built a six to seven figure practice. This episode has been brought to you by eCircleAcademy.com, the proven system to add six to seven figures a year to your thought leader practice. Welcome to another exciting episode of the podcast, The Thought Leader Revolution. I'm your host, Nikki Baloo. And boy, do we have an exciting guest lined up for you today. Today's guest is the lead singer of the band Small Town Titans. This man is a powerful performance art and vocal expert. He's one of the leading thought leaders in that arena. He is based in the great state of Pennsylvania. I am speaking, of course, of none other than the one, the only, the legendary Philip Freeman. Welcome to the show, Philip. <laughs> Thanks for having me, Nikki. That's one hell of a of a, uh, an intro there. I appreciate you uh, taking the time to speak with me today on your program. My pleasure, brother. So I don't know if you watch MMA or UFC, but the announcer, oh, yeah. uh, Bruce Buffer, he does a yeah. really great job of introducing the fighters, and I like to introduce my fighters <laughs> this way when they come yeah. on the show. I like that. I like that yeah. a lot. Yeah, that's that's fun. It's a fun yeah, time. It's good. It's I've good done time. a couple of uh, voice acting gigs where, gigs where they've act, asked me to do stuff like that. So, like you know, like the announcer, like you know, fighting ring type of stuff. It's uh, it's fun to do. It really is. Sure. It really is. Yes, sir. So, so. Philip, man, the folks who listen to this show are entrepreneurs. They are society's greatest heroes. They are believers in freedom, free expression, and free enterprise. Mm. And they listen to this show because they want not to learn from me, because they hear from me every week, but to learn from you as our guest expert, how you've taken your passion, your obsession, and turned it into thought leadership, turned it into something amazing. But before they can do that, they got to get to know you, man, fall in love with you. Exactly. Tell us your backstory. How'd you get to be the great Philip Freeman? (laughs) <laughs> well, it started very early in my life. Uh, I was surrounded by music and art growing up. Um, my parents are are fantastic musicians and and vocalists themselves, and they worked as church musicians all their life. But they um, it was only a part time gig for them. Uh, it's something where they always aspired to work and make a living doing music and art. But for whatever reason, it it just never came to be. And I saw that and I thought to myself, you know what, I am going to make a living at music and art in honor of my mom and dad and (laughs) do it in my own little way. 
you know, whatever that might be. And That's super um, cool, dude. Obsessed with what's up? That's super cool, dude. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And I've just, you know, I, I decided to mutate it in my own in my own fashion and uh, explore different uh, genres and styles and really just push the limits of what my voice is capable of. Because once I figured out what I had early on, I took what I had and ran with it because it's, it's kind of like hitting a lottery ticket when, when you grow up in an environment where the music and art is everywhere. You figure out that you have a nat- natural talent for it and that you actually love doing it. <laughs> Why wouldn't you go for that? So for, for your listeners when you, when you, who are listening here, if you have something that you love to do and that you've loved to do since you were a kid, maybe that's where you need to start. You know, if, you're, if you're looking for a place to start and you've had a hard time, look back at your childhood and see where, it, see where that lands. Because I'm a product product of somebody who's been obsessed with music and art since I was very young, you know it hasn't it, and it hasn't stopped. It's it's mutated. It's it's changed. There's been many aspects of of what I've done in music and art, um, but it is stayed under the same umbrella for a very long time. You know what? I really like that you started off wanting to honor your mother and father. I got into business mm-hmm. to honor my dad. My dad was an entrepreneur and it really spoke to mm. me because there were some incredible qualities that my father had that I wanted to emulate. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? That was Absolutely. what was um, important to me when I got started. So I really resonate with what you said over there. So yeah, what had you become a lead singer in a band, brother? Dude, um, it's it's a long drawn out process, you know. Watching uh, watching my cousin, uh, yeah, my cousin's band. Uh, he was in a in a band in the '90s that that uh, had some success uh, back in the day, and so I was very young when they were just reaching their peak. And so watching that happen was a really really interesting uh, case study that it could be done, and um, you know, and it just made me think, okay, I can do the same thing, but I can do it in my own my own fashion, my own way. And so using that as inspiration, um, it got me thinking about different types of music. I was obsessed with Elvis when I was in like the fourth and fifth grade. I even impersonated Elvis nice. <laughs> when I was a kid at some, like, you know, at some, uh, um, assemblies and stuff like that. It was a lot of fun. There's probably, you know, VHS tapes of me, like with, with <laughs> magic marker sideburns and a pomp when I still had hair. So, you know, that's blackmail for anybody who wants to go search for that somewhere. <laughs> but so Elvis was like, you know, an introduction to rock and roll along with my cousin's band. Um, and then in middle school, I discovered Lincoln park. I discovered creed. I discovered, um, you know, I discovered Hoobastank, Incubus, and then after that, Red Hot Chili Peppers, and after that, Audio Slave. That was the kicker for me. When I discovered Chris Cornell at the age of 15 and then found out about Soundgarden, Nirvana, Pearl Jam, all of these bands from the early 90s, late 80s, it made a huge impact on on my career as, or like on my vision of where I wanted to go with my music and what I could do with my voice. I started singing along with the first Audio Slave record, along with the greatest hits of Led Zeppelin, you know, listening to the music of Jimi Hendrix and, and the structure that, that, um, that he brings to his 
creations and what he did when he when he was still with us and just started diving deeper into classic rock iggy pop one of the best front man, men that you've ever seen in, in your life because of just how crazy energetic he is. He has the worst, you know, it's like not a very good singing voice, but he has the energy to make up for it. And he has the presence. There's just something about that. There's something magical about what Iggy Pop does. Um, and then you look at guys like Steven Tyler and then just keep, you know, and you just keep going through the timeline and going further back to the blues, the Delta blues. I became obsessed with Muddy Waters in high school led better huddy better known as lead belly um and yeah i i cover with the band we cover where did you sleep last night to this day um because of because of lead belly you know he was a he was in huge influence on on me during uh, my late high school early college career the delta blues it was just it's and and chicago blues um muddy water it's just incredible incredible so it just this 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 whole respect for the contemporary genre of blues and rock and every aspect of it has been a, a huge piece of my life. And it, and it started at a very early age and just evolved into this this lifetime study of what's happened over the last um, last two centuries, you know, after after over the 20, 20th and 21st century. So, um, yeah. So that's how I became the lead singer of a band, because I got so into all of these styles of music that I wanted to meld it all together into this thing that I wanted to do ever since I was in middle school. I always wanted to be in a band called small town Titans. I came up with the name after watching the movie. Remember the Titans. If, if anybody remembers, of course, that, man, it's a great movie. Film. Yeah. Incredible movie. Incredible movie. I love that movie to this day. And that's where I got the name small town Titans because you know, and it's cool because my guitar player, Ben, he said he always wanted to be in a band that had the name it had the it had the word titan in it so there you go you know so it's pretty wild how how all of these things work together and how hindsight is 2020 so and it's been 11 years that we've been together as a band so 11 years wow mm-hmm so yes, sir. all these musicians that influenced you helped you get inspired and create your own version of what they do. I think a right. lot of folks that are here listening to this today are benefiting from this, that are benefiting from knowing that the way to get great is to study other greats and to yes. take inspiration from those greats and bring out the greatness in you. Absolutely. I, I certainly attest to that. There are, there are things that I hear and am inspired and, influ and influenced by that may be completely unrelated. But when I take one piece from over here and put it together with this other piece, it makes something completely different. It makes something unique. And there is nothing wrong with being inspired by two to three seconds of music that you hear and doing something similar to that to enhance what you're doing just like if this person is doing this for their business and has exposed it to the public there's no reason why you can't take that same idea and same concept and apply it to your business yeah i i like it i i, I like it a lot mm -hmm. um yeah you know 
greatness begets greatness. That's what I'm hearing from this, right? Like, um, mm -hmm. you know, we 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 took a course together with Tim Grover, who worked with Michael Jordan, right? And yes, I I, I like basketball. I study basketball. Mm. I study winners. Honestly, I wrote a book. Mm -hmm. This is this is my um, this is my first book. It's very slim. It's also my best-selling yeah. book, maybe because it's so slim. It's my best-selling book. <laughs> it's um, called Finish Line Thinking, How to Think and Win Like a Champion. And in yeah. here are 13 principles of how champions think and win, right? And how did I come up with these? Well, I used to be business partners with two Olympic champions, right? Mark McCoy and Donovan Bailey. Mark McCoy won an Olympic gold medal in 1992, at the Barcelona Olympics, 110 meter hurdles. He's also won a couple world championships. He won the Canadian championship 15 times. And wow. then um, Donovan Bailey uh, won two Olympic gold medals at the 96 Olympics, the 100 meters and the four by 100. And then he also mm. won uh, three world championship medals too. Uh, so, you awesome. know, Donovan Bailey, right? And I, these guys were my business partners. I hung out with them. I learned from the Mark in particular. I learned so much from studying Mark. A lot of what I learned in that book are principles that Mark taught me. And that mentality, that mindset of victory, like I didn't learn it by myself. It didn't, you know, get created because I sat there one day and God said, here, <laughs> you know. Right. I learned it <laughs> from studying with these champion level thinkers. Right. Mm. And I'm listening to you and remembering and relearning that, oh, yeah, that's how you become great. So that's why I'm appreciative yeah. of having you on the show because, you know, this is a book called Turning Pro by Steve Pressfield. He mm. wrote The War of Art. In here, he talks about. The oh, my gosh. Yes. Yeah, he talks course. about the distinction between amateur versus pro. Okay. Mm -hmm. So the professional shows up every day. The professional stays on the job all day. The professional is committed over the long haul. For the professional, the stakes are high and real. The amateur doesn't show up every day. The aperture doesn't show stay on the job all day. The amateur isn't committed over the long haul. For the amateur, the stakes are, eh, they're not that real. You know what I'm saying? Um, mm -hmm. these are the kinds of things that I think are important to learn from others. Like being around greatness begets greatness. And it sounds to me like you made a study of musical greatness. Is that correct? For better or for worse. Yeah. It's just, it. I, I was so drawn to all of these sounds and all of this music and even, even classical music. I grew up with a lot of that from um from my mom and dad and their and their love of 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 Wagner and Mozart and and Grieg and uh, Holst the planets. And so getting that in my life along with with um soundtrack movie soundtracks Hans Zimmer, John Williams, James Horner. I just that's there was a what's so interesting is that the study of of rock, blues, Americana, classic country um 
and classical music and soundtrack music, there's a consensus along all those lines where you can find greatness in each of them and see how all of those genres relate to each other. You can tell when a piece of music is, and am I allowed to say anything on this program? I don't know. I don't, yeah, I don't man, know how of you course feel. You are. Okay. Yeah. You can tell if you can tell if it's shit <laughs> just based on comparing it to what you've heard, you know, like there, there are some composers out there that, um, just aren't up to snuff like and compare do not compare to john williams or or the work of Hans zimmer you know just like there's musicians out there who either copy or they're just not at the same level as somebody else who just set who set the bar really high and i just i i don't know and i don't know what it is about what's inside of me maybe i'm just not willing to admit it but I just I, I I resonate with the greatness that I find, and there's a lot of music out there, and I strive to honor all that music that I love by setting the bar myself and pushing myself to the absolute limit, pushing my voice to the absolute limit, you know, um, trying not to doing everything in my power not to hide behind the the vocal effects, and unless it's being used as like a a an artistic um, expressive tool, not to hide imperfections, because a lot of like there's 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 a thing in the music industry called melodyne. Um, one of the first times that it was ever used in a popular song was with Cher's um, "Do You Believe in Love After Love." That little effect that's on her voice. Um, mm-hmm. It can be that can be really cool when it's used in that way, when it's absolutely um, obvious that it's there. Like it's like it's supposed to be there and have this like a robotic effect. But when it's used to cover up a singer's imperfections and the imperfections of, of a beautiful instrument to make it just like pitch perfect. You can tell when it happens and it's just, it's not nice. It it sounds fake. And it's something that I strive not to do in my music is to, is to be as authentic as I possibly can be in my original mm-hmm. music. And it's something I struggle with too, because when you're in, in uh, business with other people, other people's ideas of authenticity may differ from your own, you know, because it can be subjective. So it's something that you do have to negotiate once in a while, but it's something I strive for in everything that I do. Authenticity. You know, I'm in the world of thought leadership, right? And I've stood on the mm-hmm. shoulders of giants and yeah. there's a, there's a man by the name of um, David Meerman Scott. He came on my show and awesome. He made a distinction between a thought leader and an expert. I think you're going to really like. He said, Mm. an expert is like a cover band. While a thought leader plays original music. It's interesting because the world that I come from, you start with your music covers. That's how your band makes money is by playing the three-hour gigs and playing 80% covers and 20% originals. And yeah. then eventually you get to the point where you're playing mostly originals, if not all originals. And it's so funny because the reason why my band is on the map is because of a cover that we did that got really popular really fast. You know, um, it, it actually gets popular right around this this time of year. Uh, <laughs> it's it's for, for anyone that's out there, Listening to this, look up Small Town Titans. You're a mean one, Mr. Grinch, and you'll see what we're talking about. You're a mean um, one, Mr. So, Grinch. 
That's a cool quote. But I would go even further than that to say that maybe you have to be an expert first before you become a thought leader. 100% true. So, you know, and that's, it, it's, it's part, it's part of the journey. Um, you can't, you don't start off a thought leader. That's for sure. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Thought leaders are made, not born. Just like you can be born with all the talent in the world, but if you don't have the persistence to get through it, we were talking about that Calvin Coolidge quote yeah. um, a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Nothing in this world can take the place of persistence. Talent will not. Nothing is more common than an unsuccessful men with talent. Genius will not. Unrewarded genius is almost a proverb. Education will not. The world is full of educated derelicts. Persistence and determination alone are omnipotent. I like it. A I wrote lot. that on the back of um, one of my one of my uh, notebooks in college. Just to remind my ass that doesn't matter how talented you are, asshole. You got to keep. You got to work hard, and you got to work smart, and you got to keep going. I like it. So, <laughs> yeah, I like it. And uh, you know, you're talking about standing on the, the the shoulders of giants. It really, it truly does take a village. It takes a village of people to lift you up. The amount, like you were talking about how you got principles from, uh, from other people, like how you were able to write that first book. It, it, the, the things that I teach as far as vocal health and performance, they would not be possible without all of the instruction and the incredible instructors that I had. You know? And also, experience. Experience out in the field and testing it out. You know, being able to take what I learned academically and also the street smarts that I had to get being out there and testing it out, um, it, it's, it's, it's that push from those people, those mentors is such a huge piece of the puzzle. Such a huge, huge piece of the puzzle. Absolutely. So yeah, if anybody out there, just surround yourself with, with like-minded individuals. And if that's hard for you, do everything you can to find a way to get out of the situation that you're in, whatever that might be. Yeah, this is good stuff. It's good stuff. You learn from the greats. You mm -hmm. melded it into your own unique voice. Mm -hmm. um, how did you take that and turn it into your own original music? Well, I started writing at a very early age, writing words, poetry, and just couldn't stop. Some people have a, have a hard time putting words together and creating a song. I have boxes and boxes and boxes of notebooks of lyrics that I've written since I've been 12 years old. I keep most, if not all of it. Now it's all, I mean, most of what I've written since 2012 is all on a digital pad now, which that's much more, <laughs> that's much more manageable. Um, but it's amazing to be able to pull something that you wrote, a, a line that you wrote down 10, 11, 12 years ago and have it apply to a song that you're writing now with your band. So that consistent 
and persistent obsession over putting words together and telling stories in that way and being able to develop the skill set to use my voice to tell those stories and to also accompany myself with different musical instruments like guitar, piano, whatever that might be. Um, the proof is in what, what's out there. What you sow, so shall ye reap. I sowed something, and now I'm reaping it, and I'm continuing to, to plant it. I'm continuing to grow other things. So I am a product of my obsession over the years. And I am one of the very, very lucky individuals who was able to find that obsession early. And I know that that can be, that is rare among certain individuals. And so you are a product of your environment. And I have surrounded my, myself with, with things that manifested where I am today. And it came from deep within, deep, deep within. I like it. I really do. Solid, brother. Solid, because it comes from a very real place. It has taken me some wild places. Wild, wild places. Yeah, writing daily, that's important. It's powerful. Yeah. Um, you can relate, I'm sure, being an author yourself, right? Yeah. Writing it like you do, you know? You've, you've done it. Yeah. You know what it's you know what it's about. There's some things that just gotta happen daily. Just give you energy, they give you fire, they give me energy and fire. Just writing them down, you know. Writing. Mm -hmm. When I write, I feel good. When I lift weights, when I lift things, heavy shit, I feel good. Mm -hmm. When I talk mm -hmm. to people and I sell them on something, whether a product, a program, an idea, I feel good. You yeah. know? When yeah. I hug my my kids and I and I and I and I love my woman, I feel good. Those are the things yeah. that are, that are that are energizing, and I'm I'm just getting a lot from this conversation because awesome man, it it's reminding me of how to live. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> nice, dude. It's awesome. It's yeah. it's 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 a nice refresher for me too, because having these conversations, it it it's a great way to reflect back on the journey that's that's um traversed so far you know it's 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 nice to be able to to share everything that is that has happened up to this point and hopefully provide value to other people you know um a few years ago i was um god it was over 20 years ago i was reading a book there's a phrase in it that prompted me to instantly stop what i was doing and write a poem I'm going to, I'm going to grab it because it's up there and I'm going to, I'm going to read awesome. it to you. It's really good. Please. That would be amazing. Um, all right. There were once two lovers who found each other in the midst of their respective winters of discontent. One was heartbroken. The other was grieving for a loss that was barely acknowledged. Neither was searching for another for both were too caught up in healing themselves. And yet, they found each other, and something deep inside each of them stirred. Their capacity to care for one another, to share themselves, was awakened from its dormant slumber. 
Soon they fell in love, and not just the puppy love phase of romantic love, but a deep love of two souls connecting. And as they connected so deeply, their egos started to assert themselves. Soon the beauty of their love was constantly challenged by the fear of their egos. It ripped at their bond like a dull knife cutting through a gorgeous silk cord. No single swipe was enough to tear it apart, but the strands of the cord became more and more frayed until they could stay together no more. And so that lovely couple split apart, and in the days and weeks and months that followed, many a time did someone say to each of them, It is for the best. You were not meant to be. It was all a mistake. And when this happened, they would raise their eyes and smile sadly at their well-meaning friends the friends who did not, could not know the beauty, the ecstasy, the joy of the love they shared, the love that was still there for no love can ever die. And they would say to them, perhaps so, but it was a magnificent mistake. I wrote that yeah. from reading the words magnificent mistake in a book. <laughs> and I dropped the book and I started to wow. write that. One take. And that's what happens. It's a beautiful thing when when you go after listening to that which is inside you let it come out hmm. it can be terrifying too <laughs> because when you yeah. look inside and you see the words spill out on the page and you're allowing the subconscious to do so it can get pretty wild you can go places that you never thought your mind would go um, yeah. but it also opens up the door to new possibilities and when you honor that, when you honor that side of yourself, some really amazing things can happen. And I, I feel a lot of people stifle that part of themselves because they feel like it's it's not appropriate, it's not civilized, it's um, you know writing music, writing poetry, it's not going to pay the bills, it's not going to you know the, the the whole the 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 trope that the the of the starving artist. There's that idea. And I think it's it's that's becoming less of a thing in this in in this day and age. I would say, um, but you know, I, I feel that there is an artist that lives within every human being, and that are they're capable. And whether they want to pursue it, it professionally or not, that's up to them. But they should give themselves the time to develop those skills, just so just to enrich their lives. Well, I wrote a novel last year, and it's sat yeah. dormant for over a year now. And mm. it's going to come out, and I'm going to self-publish it. Screw it. And then there'll yeah. be another novel that I'll write, and it'll be either self-published or I'll go you know, find a traditional publisher and get it done. But I wanted to yeah. write novels since I was a yeah. kid. That's important to yeah. me, so it's going to freaking well happen. Let's just roll. Do it. Absolutely, dude. You have my full support because that's that's something that's so important. If nobody's if nobody's going to finance it, nobody's going to publish it. No one, no one's going to be more passionate or or obsessed, rather mm -hmm. obsessed, obsessed with getting yes, obsessed with getting this book out and doing the absolute best that it can than you. So of course, self publish it. There are bands out there right now, major major. Uh, heavy hitters like Shine Down and Slipknot, who have just recently gone out on their own and are selling their own records. They are independent now. They have their own brand. They're not. They're not tied to a record label anymore. They paid their dues in that regard, 
and now they own everything that come that that comes out of them. They don't have to split the the pie. So, and Small Town Titans has um, had partnerships with different record labels. We still do have partnerships with different different companies with some of our catalog. It's split here and there, but we still call the shots. We have not signed a deal with the devil. We are we the three of us plus our business partners. We all have a vote we have a say and we call the shots and it's a beautiful thing so so to be able to call your own shots and be able to get more of and the other thing to it 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 does translate financially you know just because you sell a million records doesn't mean that you're going to be a millionaire like some of the some of the worst contracts in the world were were signed in the music industry where the artists were just completely screwed over with the promises of fortune and fame and just were drained of what of the money you know um you know i'm, I'm in a situation where i'd rather sell a hundred thousand records and make 50 percent profit off of it and sell a million records and make nothing <laughs> you know because i'm so in debt to the record company that i'm a million you know a million like one million five hundred thousand dollars in debt with the record company because of all the like the show and everything like that and i and i you know it is what it is it's just the the point being is that just because you're famous doesn't mean that you're running a, a sustainable business no exactly that you're sustainable exactly. financially no you gotta so, you gotta you gotta find a way yeah. to make make it all work 100 percent. exactly so yeah your your book is going to make an impact dude if you're if you're obsessed enough with it, and if you want it badly enough, you're going to. Yeah, be amen, brother. Amen. Yes, sir. Yes, yeah, sir. Man. I'm obsessed with my, I'm obsessed out, with man. the book. I'm obsessed with with I'm obsessed with making a mark. That's what I'm really obsessed with. I'm obsessed with making yeah, a mark before yeah. I die. All right, man. Amen, yeah. brother. Amen. Yes, sir. So, brother, um, how do people buy you music? Find out about your tour dates, all that kind of stuff. So, check out smalltowntitans.com. Uh, you go there or stt.band if if you want to type less words <laughs> um, and find out anything and everything having to do with the band. Um, but yeah, we're going on the road with Steel Panther, um, but we're writing a ton of new music. So it's very likely that we're going to be releasing that music in the next year or two. We're really excited to show people what we've got going on. Um, it's going to be great. Um, if you want to find out what I do, um, uh, you know, Google Philip Nathaniel Freeman. That's the best thing to do. Find your favorite we'll search it. engine, type in Philip Nathaniel Freeman, voice acting, um, vocal health right. and performance coach. Happy to help anybody with that from from public speakers to singers. I'm oh, okay. I didn't even know you, you you did that piece, but we should talk about that separately. I think it'd be a great, great idea to help you promote that. So listen, we're going to put all that in the show notes. Listener, Philip Freeman, the real deal. His band, Small Town Titans, an amazing band. So um, I think that's fantastic. God bless your heart, Philip, for, for coming here. Um, Likewise. Thank and you, thank and you helping us me. out. And I'm just going to say this. That wraps up another exciting episode of the podcast, The Thought Leader Revolution. To find out more about today's guest, the one and only Philip Freeman. Go to the show notes at thethoughtleaderrevolution.com or wherever you happen to listen to this episode, be it Apple, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Audible, Google Play. Doesn't matter. Wherever you listen, it'll be there. Until next time, goodbye. 
This episode has been brought to you by eCircleAcademy.com, the proven system to add six to seven figures a year to your thought leader practice.